Welcome to Stirring Words, where health and fitness experts Kim Taylor and Judy Ulrey explore God's wisdom on wellness. Listen in now on their weekly phone conversation. Hey, Judy. What you up to, girl? Well, so let me just tell you what, Miss Kimberly. I was feeling a little draggy-waggy, and I knew I was being going to be um, having this wonderful call with you, and I didn't want to be draggy-waggy when I was uh, interacting with my good buddy, Kim. So about 10 minutes ago, I stood up and started singing. Oh, now, be really glad that you weren't close because, as you just heard, I ain't that good at it. But I just have to tell you, all of us have times when we're sort of feeling uh, lethargic, tired, on the edge of depressed, and how quickly we, God, can stir our spirit when we stand up and sing and dance and move and listen to music. So I'm sure that has nothing to do with our call today, but I just wanted to share that little tidbit with you and with our listeners because they might be feeling draggy-waggy, and so if so, maybe they should just put us on pause and do a little song and dance for five minutes and then tune us back in. Oh, wow. I think that's an awesome idea, and I think it's particularly relevant since we're talking about overcoming emotional eating, and that's Uh. just very small in which we can change our emotional state just by movement. So I think that's a great way to introduce our topic today. Well, awesome. I am anxious to hear your words of wisdom because last week you were so gracious in inspiring us and telling us a bit more about your story. And um, so I want to hear more this week. But before we do that, may I invite our Savior to join us? Absolutely. Father, our physical bodies that you made are miraculous, truly miraculous. And the tether between our thoughts, our feelings, and our physical strength and energy are amazing. So we just want to thank you that our energy levels and our thoughts can go up and down, but that you are always stable, that you are always there, that you love us unconditionally, your steadfast love endures forever. So I just pray for this time that Kim and I share on the phone together that you would lead our speech, you would lead our messaging, that you would be glorified, and that if it be thy will, you inspire our listeners to look to you for their strength, to acknowledge you as their God, and celebrate in song and dance when their feelings are fickle and not believing your truth. Be with us, Lord. Lead our speech. Lead our every word. To your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. 
So as I mentioned earlier, you yet again inspired us last week. And for those who missed it, I'd like to just throw out a couple of tidbits of truth that you shared with us. You were talking about how when we're pursuing change, and of course, we speak most predominantly about improving our food and moving more more regularly, but whatever the change, the habits you're interested in changing, that love must be our motivator versus condemnation. Oh, I'm a bad person. I'm fat. I can never do this. Shame on me. God doesn't love me because I don't do this or that or the other. That is not loving to ourselves. And it certainly does not saturate us in the love of God, which, which should be our motivator for change. So, so that was, was something I really clung to that you shared last week. And, and to reinforce that, you said, by the way, condemnation comes from the enemy. That is one of the tools of Satan to say, shame on you for not being all that God would have you to be. And I don't know about you, but anything that's of Satan, I want to just absolutely stomp out. So you encouraged us to just examine our thoughts and our mental tapes and see how often they are condemning and unloving and demeaning versus uplifting, which is from the word of God. So we, again, thank you for those truths. I I hope you challenged, I mean, last week you challenged our listeners to do some journaling about that and really think about that and start to take off the old tapes and put on the new thoughts, the new truth through the word. So I want to continue down that path with you on overcoming emotional eating and what else can we do? So I know you have more uh, meat to share with us. So take it away. Sure. And, and Judy, I think we've been parking pretty much in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And um, just to refresh our listeners' memory, that scripture is, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So when we're seeking to overcome emotional eating, then you actually made a good point and actually a um, biblical principle in that even though our feelings may be fickle, and I love that that um, saying actually because it's so true, our feelings go up and down, but we must ourselves be grounded in that which never changes. So when we're having issues with emotional eating, we must recognize that God has an open-door policy. So this scripture tells us that he that comes to God must believe that he is, that he exists. So we bring our emotions, whatever they may be, if we're out of control in our emotions or, or feel like we're overwhelmed by emotions, then God invites us to come to him. And it says that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So let's say, for example, that you're feeling depressed, then you bring that depression to God to say, God, you know, I don't know why I'm feeling like this. I'm feeling down. I feel like nothing's ever going to change. But, Lord, I am trusting this emotion to you, 
And I know that the joy of the Lord is my strength. So, Lord, fill me with your peace. Fill me with your joy right now. Give me a new perspective on my situation. So you have that trust in God that he will help you to be able to manage those emotions in a way that honors him and that glorifies him. So that really is one of the main things, I think, in overcoming emotional eating is to recognize that our identity is grounded in God and to be sure that we are believing what God says about who we are, who he is, what our purpose is in him, because that really is the big picture of life. So we don't try to compartmentalize our lives, but view our lives as a whole. So I think that is so important with Hebrews chapter 11 is to recognize that our whole life as Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, is recognizing that in God that we live, we move, and we have our being. We are his offspring. So we don't have to try to do this journey alone. We recognize that it's a step-by-step journey and um, um, walking through it with God's help. So that really is the first thing, just to really um, ground it, ground this whole discussion that we're talking about emotional eating in that bigger picture. Now, one of the things I did want to bring out in this particular session, because we're talking about how if you're already in a cycle of emotional eating, how you're going to get out. And really, there are two components to it. We've already been talking about the spiritual aspect and learning how to manage your emotions God's way by coming to God and trusting him with your emotions, perhaps through journaling and um, movement, doing those things, walking, prayer walks. We've talked about that previously. But then there's also a natural component to it and just recognizing that a lot of times when we're um, engaged in emotional eating, we are drawn to foods that change our mental state because typically what has happened is when we were very young, we learned that food makes us feel better. And I know that was the case with me because initially I was six years old and I learned very early that my mom would go to work and I felt lonely, so she would give me candy money and I just learned to use candy as a means to make myself feel better. And so I didn't have to deal with the loneliness aspect. Of course, as a child, I didn't know how, but I, you know, carried that same behavior as an adult. When I felt lonely or any emotions that I did not want to feel, then I would run to food or run to um, sugar or something like that to try to help myself feel better. Well, when I started piling on weight and started having health problems, then I was like, wait a minute. And then I had that chest pain and God spoke to me and told me it's not supposed to be this way out of love, not condemnation, then I had to learn to say, hey, I need to learn to love foods that love me back. And the reason I say that is because I learned to start really viewing the foods that I was eating that was causing all these negative health problems. I started seeing that as like being in an abusive relationship. Now, I will say I've never been in an abusive relationship, so I'm just saying how I would imagine being in an abusive relationship because from what I understand, the person who's trapped in that abusive relationship really believes that the person who's hitting them 
are being verbally abusive loves them, and that's their way of showing love, but it really is not. It's a destructive cycle. And so in my case, I was learning, I was in love with these different foods and thinking somehow that they were um, foods that I could run to if I felt special or wanted to comfort myself in the midst of distress. Well, it would work temporarily, but then it would cause all these negative destructive um, issues in my body, like high blood pressure, and I was having chest pains and difficulty walking because of the excess weight. And I was like, wait a minute, this is not love. This is not love. So I had to learn to love foods that love me back. And the scripture that I always think about, Judy, in that whole process is 1 Corinthians six twelve, And God put it in his word. He says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And and it was humbling to me to admit that there were some foods that I was under the power of. And and I think about even there's a story about addiction, and and I was addicted to sugar. I, I will say that freely. And, and I was thinking about how scientists, they did an experiment on rats. I'm not sure if you've heard of this one, but it was about the nature of drug addiction. And what they did was they trained the rats to press a little bar, and they would receive a small dose of cocaine, coincidentally or perhaps not coincidentally, another fine white powder, just like sugar is. But it says at first the rats would just press the bar a few times a day. But eventually the rats became so addicted that they would press the bars dozens of times a day. They would even forego food and water just to get the fix. And what the scientists discovered was that when the rats received the drug, they had little, um, um, they could tell what was going on in the rat brain. And what they discovered was that the addiction would light up the brain's pleasure and reward center. And it naturally does make you feel good. But see, the enemy uses that for a dark purpose, and it's drug addiction. And I always call that brain hijacking myself because I know that when I was eating sugar, I had a very hard time with self-control. And that's supposed that's one of the fruits of God's spirit is self-control. So this was opposing that. So I had to learn for myself that as a child of God, I did not want to do things that would oppose God's will for me. And and I know that bearing spiritual fruit is God's will. Self-control is God's will. Eating these foods was getting me into gluttony, and I didn't want to do that. So I was thinking to myself, you know what, I'm going to switch out these foods that are destructive for me, and I'm going to choose foods that are healing for me. So I really believe, just to summarize, that, you know, what we believe about ourselves determines how we treat ourselves. And in my case, I kept thinking, you know what, I'm a child of God. He loves me. I want the abundant life that Jesus promised to give us who believe in him. But this, eating these destructive foods that are not helping me, I don't, this is opposing what I believe is God's best for me. So I want to eat foods that love me back. Wow, a lot of truth in that message, my friend. I'm not even sure where to start because you have given us so much meat 
in that. Um, I think I would start by asking our audience, are the foods that they're choosing loving them back? Last week we talked about are the words that we're thinking and saying to ourselves loving ourselves? And now you have brought in front of us as you said, sort of the tangible are the foods that we're putting into our bodies, loving ourselves. And back to Hebrews, or back to 1 Corinthians 6.12, certainly all things are lawful for us to eat. We can eat anything we want. But are they helpful? Mm -hmm. And as you have pointed out, all things are lawful, but are there some foods that become so powerful over us, have such power over us, that like the rats, we're just like pushing the button multiple times a day. Yeah, exactly. And that's the word. It says that in in this scripture, it says it's lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of any. And, And I think, and I'm trying to remember exactly where the scripture was, but it talks about if we present our members to, um, um, to sin, then then sin becomes our master, and we don't want to present our bodies to things that cause us in, um, to practice gluttony, which is again against biblical um, um, principles. We are to operate in self control, so it's not about condemnation, but it's about being realistic about the foods that are helpful to you versus those that are hurtful to you, and then making that conscious decision to choose those foods that are helpful, just to make it, um, to me, Judy, life is hard enough without putting foods in your body that cause you to be emotionally unstable and get you into addiction and and down on yourself because you're thinking, why don't I have any self-control? when the truth of the matter is you're, you're eating foods that don't play well with your brain chemistry like an allergy would be, you wouldn't blame yourself for an allergy. You would just accept the fact that you have an allergy and you don't eat those foods that you're allergic to. And it's like the same thing here where you're choosing foods that um, don't cause a problem for you. And it's not really a matter of saying um, it's a character flaw. It's just the way it is. So, God, in his wisdom and his mercy, gives us lots of foods to choose from that are good for us and that help to heal us. And that is what we choose because our desire is to finish this race well in him. You know what, Kim, you reminded us last week that if we're going to change, it must come from love. It must come from knowing, embracing clinging to God's love for us and us making choices that are helpful and loving to ourselves. So one of the things that I think about, regardless of the habit, whether it's a food issue or, you know, I've been very vocal about my issue is triggering anger over silliness. How do you feel afterward? And is there regret after the fact? And how many of the food choices do people who are listening right now make during any given week and then really regret it? 
either mm. they regret it because they literally physically feel ill because they ate too much or they regret it because they had sort of been on a path and doing well and eating well and then they just sort of went into the ditch and is that helpful so again we go back to first Corinthians six twelve. sure is lawful but is it helpful and again i I look as I am am working in the spirit to have him blot out my transgressions of triggering and anger. And I look back when I do and say, no, that's not helpful because I don't like how I feel afterwards. And, and people who eat unhealth, unhelpful foods don't like how they feel afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, so it, it also plays into what, we have also discussed, which is take off the old self, put on the new self. Take off the unloving, put on the loving. Take off the flesh and the desires of the flesh and put on the desires of the spirit. Take off unhelpful foods and put on helpful, healthy foods. So what are those foods that you transitioned to, to as you took off sugar or took sugar out of your diet, how did you, what did you put on? Okay. And that's a very good question, Judy, because one of the things that was unhelpful that I had to take off was I eat a lot of fast foods um, and, and that just wasn't, wasn't helpful. So I had to, I decided to just do some, um, research because I had a history of high blood pressure in my family and and I was struggling with high blood pressure myself, um, had started to anyway. And I started looking at different foods that I thought to myself, what has God already provided to heal? And I started actually looking at foods that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids and, and started structuring my, my eating plan around those. So I eat, I was eating actually, and still do, a lot of fatty fish like salmon or tuna, foods that have, are rich in carb, complex carbohydrates. And in fact, I had one today, I baked some sweet potatoes, which I love. Uh, and that was actually a great help to me to overcome sugar addiction because I would just bake sweet potatoes in the oven for about an hour and they're so soft and the juice that practically runs out of them and just put some cinnamon and some nutmeg on top of them. And that is such a treat. I love them. And even scoop the innards out of the sweet potato and just mix it with some unsweetened almond milk and some stevia and the cinnamon and nutmeg and just make a sweet potato pudding out of it. So mm. you know, it, I know. And, and what's wonderful about that is it's helpful. I'll eat it, it satisfies my sweet tooth, but it doesn't hijack my brain. It doesn't make me emotionally loopy. So it's like the best of both worlds. Another thing that I discovered for myself is that you can make ice cream out of out of frozen bananas. You know, you could just have a frozen a frozen banana and just put that in the blender with some almond milk and blend that up just a little bit until it has like a a, a soft serve consistency. And and I like making that because that is, like I said, a wonderful way to get fruit in for one thing, 
but in a way that gives me that sweet taste but doesn't hijack my brain. So what our listeners should be looking for is something that's a win-win situation in their lives where they can still have the little sweet taste that they like, but something that does not cause a destructive pattern in their lives. I love um, oatmeal. It's something that I have most mornings because, again, you can put, like, blueberries or strawberries, things like that that will still get you something healthy in your body. But, again, it helps you but does not hurt you. And, Judy, is one thing I wanted to ask you about, actually, because and you've mentioned this before, and I still have not tried it, but I'm going to. Because I talk, I um, I said I like tuna fish, and I remember you talking at one point actually um, on another conversation that was kind of offline. But you were talking about tuna fish, and I told you that I like to use mustard, but a little bit of olive oil tuna, um, um, excuse me, mayonnaise mixed with mustard. It's how I like to prepare my tuna fish. But you were talking about an interesting trick that you use with tuna fish to make that 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 um, taste good too. And uh, can you share that with our listeners? Because I want to hear that one again. Well, absolutely. And it would be not only for tuna salad, but apple salad or coleslaw or any of those dishes that traditionally use mayonnaise, which is nothing but saturated fat. I use Greek yogurt. And um, I'll get just regular plain Greek yogurt. And for tuna salad, I'll just put the tuna relish a dabble of Greek yogurt, maybe chop up a hard-boiled egg, and it is oh so yummy. And you don't, and you have the benefits of the Greek yogurt without the drawbacks of the mayonnaise and the fat in the mayonnaise. So same holds true. One a regular, once or twice a week in my world is apple salad as sort of a snack, and it's a diced apple with. Um, Sometimes I'll put a little quinoa in it if I want a little bit complex carb. I'll put a dollop of the Greek yogurt with maybe a teaspoon of sugar, maybe not even that much, but maybe maybe a teaspoon. And then I dice chopped off, I dice up almonds or walnuts and it is so luscious. And when you look at that, especially if you put the quinoa in it, you've got a complex carbohydrate You've got a protein with the yogurt. You've got a fruit or vegetable, fruit being the diced apples. And you have a healthy fat, which is from the walnuts. And one of the favorite, one of the, one of my favorite videos in my video library is called Every Day is a Buffet. Mm. And the, the, the concept of that is When you are putting together a meal, choose from those four categories, and in each of those categories, there is a plethora of choices. For example, you've got the complex carbohydrate. So you've got anything from a potato to rice to quinoa to whatever oatmeal, whatever complex carbohydrate is your base for that meal. Depends on whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Then you've got the protein, and that's everything from nuts, seeds, beans, lean meats, tons of protein, and the dairy. Then you've got fruits or vegetables. Those are self-explanatory. And then you've got a healthy fat. So it might be avocado, might be, again, nuts, 
might be an olive oil or a salad dressing with a, with a healthy fat. So the concept of the video is every meal, you just grab, just like a buffet, you grab from each of those categories. And you mentioned it with your oatmeal. You've got oatmeal, complex carb, fruit, berries, milk, dairy, nuts, healthy fat, and more protein. You, yep. You've done it right there. You yep. do a lunchtime salad. You've got quinoa, diced red pepper, diced spinach for your veggie, salad dressing, sunflower seeds. I mean, it's the, the, the possibilities are absolutely, like a buffet, endless because of all the different items in each of those categories, and you just mix and match. So I really want to thank you for the reminder that what we eat is a love indicator. Yeah. It's an energy provider or stealer. And I would encourage our listeners to taste and see that the Lord is indeed good. Yeah. That when you think about eating to love him, serve him, honor him and what he has made, all the choices he has made for us to eat, and love yourself simultaneously. Again, it is it is mind-boggling, and it is an act of worship to choose those foods. It truly becomes an act of worship, celebration, and praise to say, thank you, Lord, that you've loved me so much, that you've given me all these amazing choices that nurture me physically, but, but making the choices actually nurtures me spiritually too, because an act of obedience turns into an act of praise. And so thank you for that reminder, Kim, that he is good, that all things are lawful, but all things are not helpful. And that, um, those who diligently Seek him are the ones who will find joy, deep joy. Amen. 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 And so, Judy, um, I, I know we've given our listeners a lot to think about. So one of the things as a call to action that I would like to encourage them to do is to start keeping a food journal now. I'm trying to hear some tracks, some um, groans out there about that. But you, you can't conquer what you won't confront, as the old saying goes. And in order to really get a truthful view of what's going on with what you're eating, and you have to have, you need to have some type of um, of journal or app, like Lose It or My Fitness Pal, and you're not making any judgment. But what you really do want to do is see what's really going on in black and white, so that you can make a decision. And um, one of the things as you're, as you're keeping your food journal, I want you to start thinking about in terms of a replacement and not necessarily eliminate because a lot of times when we think about, oh, I got to give up this, I got to give up that, then feelings of deprivation come. But as Judy talked about, every, every meal being a buffet 
look, it gives us an opportunity to say, Lord, let me just take a closer look at what you have provided, the healing foods that you have already placed around me. And so you start thinking about what can I, how these things that are hurting me, how can I replace them with foods that are helpful and healing to me? So that is part of your healing process from emotional eating, learning to handle your emotion God's way, but then also choosing those foods that help you and not hurt you. So that is really going to be the action that I recommend for our listeners to take this week. And, and, um, and Judy, if you don't mind, I'd like to pray out and pray around that as well for um, godly guidance for our listeners in that area. Absolutely. Heavenly Father, oh, my goodness, I thank you so much, Lord, for giving us this forum to talk about overcoming emotional eating your way. Because, Father, every challenge that we face in life, we want to use that as an opportunity to draw closer to you. You are our loving Father, and you have said that if we lack wisdom, all we have to do is ask you, and you'll give it to us liberally and without reproach. So first of all, Lord, I just ask for your spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you to enlighten the eyes of our listeners. And, Father, give them courage to let them know that you are with them every step of the way so they may be afraid to even look at what they're doing and and in a state of denial. But, Lord, let them know that this journey is not about condemnation but about restoration and obtaining the abundant life that Jesus died to give us. So, Father, open up their spiritual eyes. Give them courage to actually just look at what's going on with their eating. And then, Father, we ask for you to show them one small step that they can take to begin to replace those foods that are hurting them with foods that will help them. And, Father, we know that you desire that we prosper and be in health in all things, even as our soul prospers. So, Father, let us decide that we want that for ourselves, too. Let us begin to see ourselves as you see us, Father, as worthy of care. Because we have a God who thought we were worth creating, and we have a Savior who thought we were worth dying for. So, Lord, we treat our bodies as your temples because they are your temples. And they deserve to be treated with care and respect out of honor to you as an act of obedience. So we do thank you, Lord. We praise you. We give you glory. And we give you honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, sister. Well, you have a wonderful rest of the week. God bless you. And you. Bless you back. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Stirring Words. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss a session. And please tell your friends about us. If you'd like to dig deeper into this week's message, you can reach Kim at TakeBackYourTemple.com and Judy at HolyHealthClub.com. Until next week, may you be stirred by God's transformative word. Thank you.